Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast for our second shot at this campaign is Elbrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie familiar silhouette starfire of an unnamed fey court. Then there's Morden, Morden Kell, a male elven rogue that wants to be a monk, and his brother Ventus, a male dark elf rogue with a coy smile. Asher Bloodfist, a male human barbarian that wants to kill the Black Sultan. And finally, we have Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard who's got a box. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e ruleset, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode, it's time to recapitulate. Embers from a chimney finds its origins in Perbastet. What brought the companions to this metropolis? Where did they come from? How did Elrum become a warlock? Why isn't Calidus a barbarian? Ventus, Moradin, who are they? And who was this human named Asher? What is the jubilant Nargile? Why did these humanoids become an adventuring party? When opportunity knocks, will they know it? When confronted with their hated common enemy, what actions will they take? Why does Master Detective Sergeant Nynaeve give this unnamed party a sending stone? Where does Calidus find his real stone? Can the drow, Ventus, keep his cool when a laundry woman says all the right words? Can the Wood Elf Morden keep it together when it's time for some B&E? How does Asher handle being amongst dead vermin? Mistress Hena, Hakan, Rahid, Festering Heth, all have woven nets around our companions. Whose is the strongest? Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello, people of the interwebs. I'm back again with my friend Mick, and we are not talking about what happened last session because last session was a wash. We only had two of the normal people, two of the six that showed up, so we decided that we were going to cancel it. Three we could have went with, but two, no. So what we're going to do is we are going to take a step back in time, go back to the start of this campaign, and I'm going to put Mick on the spot and say, so what has been the story so far from Calidus's eyes? From the moment, well, this, this can touch oh, into I your have... backstory too. This can touch into from I left my homeland, my parents and whatnot, got on a boat and arrived in Perbastet. And you want me to do this without my notes? <laughs> I did offer to print them out so that no. I know what happened, but you want me to do this from memory? Okay, well, it's fairly simple. We came, we saw, we conquered. That was the end of it. No, you haven't conquered for sure, not Well, that. we're close to conquering, aren't we? No, 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 no nowhere near. From memory. So, okay. As a small town schoolboy, based on her Harry Potter story. Who wanted to be a, a barbarian, but was had yeah. wizardly powers instead. Yeah, that was the problem. Yep. Yeah, I wanted to be like the Arnie Schwarzenegger of, of the world, and it didn't happen, so I just became the geek. So I started there. I, I, there was an invasion coming of the, of the school, and we seen about it. And the, and it was like it was like a government thing. Like the school was there. They knew that we were about to get overrun, yet they said nothing until the last minute. And then at the last minute, the teachers started to make a run for it. So a couple of teachers had bolted down to the, to the dock to get on a ship, that was coming. That wasn't expected. And I saw the ship coming and saw the teachers bolting, so I went down after them to see what was going on. 
needless to say, they got down there and it didn't end well for them. You found the body. I found the bodies, but I did happen to see the crew and the uh, the the crew were not well, and I happened to save their lives. Yep. So that was a plus. So I climbed on the ship, and we hurtled off into the sunset. Not nary a look to his family and his siblings. Couldn't care less. J- just didn't. Yep. They sent me to boarding school. That was punishment. <laughs> who sent Who sent you to boarding school? Since you were two. Parents that so, work. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Parents that work. Or, or parents who, who are from well-to-do families and, and couldn't be bothered. They have the child because. Chick, done Chick that, that task out. that that's now checked off. So that when they're out there, things. Oh yes, I have a child. I see him in the summers. My boy, he's a little son of a bitch. Yeah, comes around, annoys me, and then yeah. And then I send it to boarding school, and everything is good, and I can yeah. concentrate on blah blah blah. I'm sure. So anyway, that was pissing that was people it. off by saying that, but oh well. Yeah. Well, it's I, I'm racking my brain to find a movie that that fits to, you know, and there's a dozen of them. Yeah, the um, um, the Robin Williams ones is the one that comes to my mind. The Dead Poet Society. Yeah, see, we yeah, that's right. See, we base everything that we do on <laughs> find a movie, just steal the plot. Yep, there we go. Well, that's that's exactly exactly right. Like, it's funny. Like now that I'm I'm doing some twittering and stuff like that, and seeing what people you know talk about. I mean, one of the things that always is is people talking about their plots and how to engage people in their plots. And I was thinking about that, and I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I've never tried to put any mechanics around it. It's just that. I, I, I live off of that the feedback from the players. I can, I can turn around and I can say to you that it's it's in, the starting point is and it was released by Netflix yesterday was and now you'll be able to date what we do. You'll be able to look at this because we're going to release this podcast in three months' time and then go. When did Glow season two of Glow come out? Oh, you watching Glow? And I, I watch Glow, which I think is hilariously funny. Isn't this is the and one about the female ladies of wrestling? Yeah. Right, which is again. I haven't watched that. It's well, because the whole thing's faked. It's about what is the plot, what is the things, uh, and so it's a sort of a docudrama comedy thing, creating a story through wrestling. And yeah. they they've gone back, they've spoken to the people that were there when it started and when it was invented and created, and right now we're in season two, and I think I'm up to episode two or three, and it is what is the plot that they create. So the girls that are doing the wrestling are creating their own plots. And their plots are off the wall. Why uh, they hate each other and why they're fighting. Yeah, just to make making it up stories of, of, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what they're doing. And it's the good guys versus the bad guys, the yeah, Russians yeah. versus the Americans, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's, you want to go and see, find a bunch of plots, look at that. Look at any movie and you'll find a bunch of plots. Well, James Bond's always good for plots. I've heard lots of people who make up their D&D based on Firefly plots. I haven't done there that yet. There you go. Like the, the train yeah. heist. Yeah. You could do that. That yeah. was a show that got cancelled too soon. See, so I yeah. could drag you off in a Firefly and not have to go back and recollect anything that happened. I liked Firefly. Anyways, so you were... I'm you, on a boat. You um, jumped on the boat and you, what do you call that, made, made yourself a friend of the captain. I did. The captain, the great captain. He taught me how to, to fight. Who had no name at the time. He didn't. No, he did but not. He was later unnamed. he earned a name. He did. Because this is one of those, okay, let's tie something into player backstories to try to hook them further, to immerse yeah. them further. So he got a name later on. He was just called the captain. He was just the captain. He was just the captain. But he was friends with Sergeant Mehmet at the time. He was. He and, he, he and Sergeant Mehmet had sailed together. Although I didn't know Sergeant Mehmet, but I'd been told that when I arrived at Purvestet, this is where I would end up. I would be dropped off and I would... And shuffled into the refugee camp. And shuffled into the refugee camp. So that's what happened. On the journey back, I got to you know sit and talk with the captain a lot in his cabin, and he had lots of wonderful things that he had collected, ha- over, the had years. collected over the years in his travels, and one of which was the box with the dagger in it. And, of course, the dagger well, was the or, dagger or, of or death. You've seen the dagger on display in the captain's quarters, yeah. and then when he presented you the box, you're like, well, that box is just the right size for that dagger. I had commented, wouldn't it be great to have that dagger? And if I had that dagger, I would never be in danger because and, and again, this the dagger will just kill anyone that it touches. The fleshling wizard Calidus, who is still dreams of being a barbarian and thinks that a dagger is going to change his world Absolutely. as a wizard. I will, stand, I will stand there with my dagger and a giant dragon will come at me and I will poke the dragon and it will just roll over dead. Because That was how powerful this dagger was. 
Well, Calidus still is of the learned child who still believes that he ought to be up close and personal when he does his fighting. Yeah, he's he's starting to learn a lesson or two about that. Yeah, yeah. Stay away. Stay away. Yeah. Don't don't be the first to jump in. It's not that he wants to be a barbarian. He's just impatient. So he did want to be a fighter, but now he's just impatient. And so when things present themselves, he tends to pause while the others assemble themselves. And then they don't, and then he just goes off. Yep. So that's that's typically his way of approaching these things. Anyway, we we arrived having admired this dagger a long time and a lot, and made it abundantly clear to the the captain that uh, that, that he wants a, the dagger. Wants if, the dagger. You, if you want to be friends, give yeah. me the dagger. Yeah. I'll be um, your he best gets friend. he gets he gets dumped on the on the docks, where he meets Lieutenant Mehmet or Sergeant, Sergeant Mehmet at the time. Sergeant Mehmet at the time. He's introduced, and Sergeant Mehmet tells him that's great, and that he and the captain have been friends for a long time, and then shuffles him off into a tent. And in that tent, you've got two elves, a, elves. a barbarian, Goliath barbarian, and Excellent. and a gangly Elbrum. Oh, do we? Yeah, th- that was the starting. You had Morden, Ventus, Asher the barbarian, Asher. and Elbrum. That was the starting the starting lineup. And that was it. And so. Um, where do we go from there? So Six months we, pass. You guys become friends. We did. We became friends and we lived in the tent and then time passed and then it was now. Yeah. And my thinking was within the six months, of course, you guys become friends. You're living in the same refugee tent for all this time. You've all experienced in one fashion or another. Like the elves, they came through a portal had opened between Ferun and the Midgard realm. And so in their realm, gnolls are evil. They're they're pretty much uncivilized. They're they're hardly humanoid at all. And so they have the, the Faerun concepts of all the different races and stuff like that. So they come across and, and when they pop through, they pop through just in a village that is just in the midst of an incursion. So they end up fleeing with the rest of the citizenry heading out. Asher, he was the Goliath barbarian who was traveling with his parents and there was a a fellow named the Black Sultan who they encountered in the caravan and the Black Sultan killed his parents and he just ended up wandering through the desert for a time until he eventually arrived in Perbastet. Elbrum, he as well was refugee from a village. To date, you don't know where it was and I, I won't reveal that much there. But he was wandering about aimlessly as well, one of the sole survivors from his own village. And he encountered a person on the road. And this person on the road has become a big part of his backstory as well. So the Black Sultan was a really good plot element. The elves coming from Faerun and, of course, having enemies with... In Faerun, the, the drow, the goddess of the drow is Loth, and she, to some some of her people, she will turn into what you call driders, which are half spider, half humans. And so when they popped through the portal, it wasn't because they were fleeing, but as time passed on, they realized that creatures from Phaedron were coming across and looking for them. So those those were kind of the backstories of the five of you as you guys first started out. And when we first started our, our, our session one of the campaign, those backstory elements were pretty much all still a mystery. You guys introduced yourselves briefly in session zero. Session one now, it's six months later, you're in Perbastet, and you guys are sitting at a cafe. The infamous Jubilant Nargile Cafe. Yeah, it'll be a small break now. I'm going to definitely go and get my notes. <laughs> There's no way that I can do this without notes. The next sounds you'll hear will be the sound of my printer running furiously. All right, so um, we're at a cafe. You guys are at the Jubilant Nargile, and this this is where the campaign starts. And what happens while you guys are sitting at the Jubilant Nargile? Well, we meet the woman that owns it. Did you guys meet her at that time? We did, on day one. Oh, boy. Yeah. I quote, the owner of the cafe is a grumpy old bugger. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, dear. And while we're sitting there, we were being watched by someone across the road. Yes. We were. She was holding a cat. Yes. And she introduces herself as Mistress Henna. That's right. And she tells us that a thief from the Perfume District has stolen a jewel. It's interesting that when you type stuff in Notepad, it doesn't do any spelling correction, so most of what I'm reading here is just complete gibberish. Stolen, S-T-O-W-L. He stole a jewel. Wow. Yeah. That's right. So Mistress Henna came up and introduced herself to you guys. And she tells She's us... She's been staring at you guys while you guys were sitting and having a cafe, having a coffee at the Jubilant Nargile, having a good laugh, the shits and giggles stuff. Yep. And she told us that it's been stolen by a bloke called Rahid and he's a skinny rat. And she asks you guys to help her out and she offers you... The heck did she offer you? She offered you something. She offers money. Does it say how much she offered? It does. It says she offers us 100 gold. That's 25 each. That's what she's offered. But you guys negotiated or something like that? Because I think yeah, I remember... we did and we lost. Yeah, there were five of us. I think she offered us 100 gold to start with, and then she went to oh, 25 Oh, of course. This, this is absolutely where the yeah. two thieves amongst you would have put their hand up, especially Morden, yep. who was very outspoken. He would have tried to get a better deal. And I think he did. If I remember right, yeah. he, I think he did because it later on... Not a lot of money. No, it wasn't. Well, at, at level one, 100 gold is huge. We don't know what level one means, so we don't care. Well, We're it, just living in a tent. Except here's the thing, too. You know, this, this begs the question about what does it mean to be in a, a role-playing world where... I think of this this Matt Colville video where he talked about what's in character, out of character. And one of the things he makes a point of is that although you are a player who's playing a character, your character is in this world, your character knows that they gain in power by killing things. Yep. This is the murder-hobo standard. And it's the, the big standard because everybody knows. So although we sit there and we say, well, would they know what level one is and stuff like this? Not level one per se, but they would know that by going on adventures, they will increase in power. They know where they sit in the pecking order. Yeah, at the moment, which is yeah. nothing. At the bottom. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, Mistress Hannah meets them and offers them... Offers us gold, and she tells us it's Rahid and he's a skinny rat. And so we go wandering off to the Perfume District thinking we're about to become incredibly rich, and we meet a couple of kobolds. Yes, you guys are on your way, so you come to an agreement... She mentions that he ran from the perfume district, which is basically across the water from where you guys are sitting. So you guys are like, well, you, you had agreed on that you need to start funding your revenge on the Descali. And so this is, you know, the first bit that was offered to you guys. So you guys head across to go and do battle. We do. Or go find him. And the kobolds have told us that we've got to go and see Hakan, who has a long, complicated name. Yes, that's right, because... And at that point, were you guys aware of anything else? Like, what, what do your notes say about the, that kobold encounter? Nothing. Just there's a couple of kobolds, and they've got names on their collars. <laughs> it does and say that they've got collars? Yeah, it says they have collars with, an, oh, with his name wow. on it. Okay, they've got cool. his name on it, so that, that indicates that he owns them. Daryl, 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 and Daryl. Yeah. Well, there were three of them. Uh, two of them. Two, yeah, two at, at that, that point. Stage, yeah, right. the third Daryl's back and in the they, house. And they tried desperately and to get we weren't gonna to have a bar of it. and visit. And you guys were... Stay on target. Stay on target. Yeah. And so you guys went, and you're like, no, no. And yeah. what, what did... At one point, you guys said we, something We did like, say to Daryl that if he wants to see us, it's going to cost him. So we sent, yeah, you wanted we sent one of the Daryls off with a, yeah. a demand for money. Yes. And we headed off, and we were heading towards the, the hunt district. And we came across... You heard some screams. Yep, heard a noise. A couple of Tuscali were hanging onto a dying body. And the Tuscali see us, and they kill the, the body that they're hanging onto. Well, you guys, when you, in that particular encounter too, you guys were, you were heading to the Perfume District. This is where, in, in the previous podcast, it was the question of, are we a good party or a bad party? Because this is the question that came up right, right there. You heard a scream. So this was in the hunt, and... Yeah. Common knowledge-wise, you guys knew the hunt was abandoned. There's no Nobody seems to know why it happened. It was hundreds of years ago. Nobody lives in the hunt. The scream comes from there. And then the question, I don't remember who asked it, probably Elbrum, was like, So are we a good party? 
So this was the debate right away from the very beginning. Should we go and try to do something about the screams? Because at the moment, you knew nothing. You just heard screams. And at the end of the day, you guys answered that question. You were mm-hmm. going to be a good party. Yep. So you went there and... Although my notes don't say that, so it means I can go bad anytime I like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to turn evil. So we went there and we saw the Tuscali and they killed the body and then they just disappeared into a hole and we were told they were looking for an idol. So there was two Tuscali that were over top of a body. Yeah. And you guys right away, the two thieves went to try to sneak around so that they could get, they wanted to get like a backstab or something like this. Yeah. And as they snuck around, one of them was successful in the sneaking and the other one wasn't. And you found that there was a third Tuscali that -hmm. was hidden from view, much larger and it disappeared. It's the one that went down the hole. The other two you guys took care of. Yep, we did. After killing the Tuscali, what did you guys do? Well, we we picked up the Tuscali and went wandering back to the the town. You grabbed the Tuscali and then you guys headed back across the way. Yeah, towards the jubilant Nargile, and you guys were carrying. The one corpse of the Tuscali. We were. On a makeshift, whatchamacallit. Yep. Someone had a spear or something like this or a quarterstaff. Yeah, and you guys yeah. mounted it on the quarterstaff and carried it on the shoulders of Asher. And of course, I think Cal has volunteered to do it, but he was just too weak. Yeah, that'd be right. I think it was on Asher and I don't know who else it was at that time. But anyways, you guys carried it back and of course, raised a stir of attention. We didn't raise a stir, yeah. There was a bit of chaos because of that. And then we headed off back to the office of the police force. Yes, you guys started heading towards... And the sergeant of the guard. You were going to meet Sergeant Mehmet at that point. We were, but we didn't meet him. Because he was the guy that ran, was running the Wharf District's city yeah. guard. He wasn't there. You raised a ruckus with the crowd, and, and and this was a point where you guys were able to do a little bit of gossip checking and stuff like this, gather a little Pretty bit much. more information. This was all about, you know, our reputation. And you yeah. met the first guy who was, like, telling you all kinds of stuff, and I, I think it was you, Calidus, who was like, I want to insight check this guy. And you realized that he was lying, and he was just trying to get money out of you guys? Yeah, something like that. Like, I, I know who he is. Just give me give me 25 gold, and I'll tell you where he lives. Yeah, right. Or something like this. Someone yeah, insight yeah. checked him and realized that he was just full of crap. Full of crap. Maybe it was Elbrum because he had this urchin background so he could... No, nah, or something. I, I remember he was doing something with some urchins some, at some point to try to get some information. Anyway, you drag the Tuscali back to the Wharf District's city guard. And we met... What's her name? Sergeant Nanif. Yes, that's right, Nynaeve, which is a reference to Wheel of Time. I stole her name from there. It sounded very uh, yes. Egyptian. Master Detective Sergeant Nynaeve, you're trucking across with the Tuscali, raised the attention. Eventually, the, the city guard were aware, and they met you as you were crossing into the larger of the Wharf District Islands, and they trucked you across with the body, and they met you with an earth sled and threw the body on top, and took you back to the office and started questioning you. So what happened after that? Or what happened during that conversation? I think there were some important things that were said at that point. Who knows? Not me. I'm looking at this. We were given a couple of sending stones and it where Hakan lived. Yeah, and the sending stones were because he wanted to stay in touch with you guys because at this point, uh, Tuscully in Perbastet was certainly not common. So she needed to stay in touch with you guys because, well, she asked where this incident occurred. They had to go do their investigation. They had to send in their CSI unit. Hmm. So the sending stones was so that if she needed to get in touch with you. Yep. At that point, you guys were more or less back on task after that. Uh, Well, not really because we ended up going to Hakan's place. Oh, that's right. You did because... So you weren't back on task. You guys went to his place because he wanted to collect on the money. Yeah. Although we hadn't been told about the money. But we yes, we went to, to see her car and we snuck around his house and had a look. And then we knocked on oh, the door. Oh, that's right. You guys wanted to try to... Well, some of us wanted to steal stuff. Yeah, right from the beginning, the two thieves, they were absolutely keen on going in and breaking in. Yeah. So they went around the back. I think at this point, I think both... 
Calidus and Elbrum were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, come on, come on, let's not be silly. Yeah, let's not do anything dumb. And all the time we've been followed by cats, which is interesting. Yes. Coming up. Cats yes. are all over us like a rash. Yeah, there was quite a few cats. Well, were they following you or were they just happened to be in the area? They were following us. So eventually you guys were like, no, no, don't break in. And you go up to the front door and you introduce yourselves. We do. And Hakan had been waiting for you guys, at which point, I think almost immediately on, on meeting him, you guys were like, show me the money. Show me the money. So we are in Hakan's place. Yep. And Hakan is eating because he likes to eat. He's a big fat gnoll. He is a big fat gnoll. And he tells you right away that Mr. Santa is nothing but a liar. He does. And he offers you, I don't know, I think he offered you some... 200. He offered you 200. He wanted whatever Mr. Santa asked you. He doesn't know what Mr. Santa is. He knows that she, she gave you something to do. And he's like, yeah, go do it, but I'll pay you more. Just bring it to me instead. Yeah. We said we tell him we want two Daryls and 200. Oh, God, yes. That you guys. And you rolled ridiculous at the persuasion to convince him this. I think you guys rolled a 20, a natural 20. Yeah. And I was just like, I struggled with that one. I can't remember what the result was. But anyways, yeah. There nah, was, we kill him later anyway. Yeah. So, so he tells you all this stuff and tells you she's a liar. He's going to give you guys 200 gold. And off you guys are off. Chasing after to see if you can find uh, Rahid again. We do. And we've been told where Rahid is, and we go wandering off to this warehouse, and we find he's not there. So, yeah, that, that oh, that's right. So, yes, so you learn where Rahid tends to live, and when you get there, yes, he's not there. It was, this is where you found the Vril Stone. I did. Which was the first tie-in point to the Black Sultan, because at the moment you didn't know it, but the, the warehouse that you guys were kind of sheltering in while you were at that wharf was mm. originally belonged to the Black Sultan. Yeah. And while you're at the wharf, you guys are searching, and eventually you found that under the wharf was a, I guess, what do you call that, a sub-wharf? A wharf underneath the wharf? Another wharf. And yeah. what, what did you guys discover there? Stuff. <laughs> we found stuff <laughs> and a big snake. Yes. So yeah. you get, there was bodies everywhere. We kill the snake and find the loose loot behind a loose stone on the dock. I, I love your notes. Yeah. They're just like <laughs> playing and typing Cal at, Cal at, Cal at the same time is a bit of a challenge to me. So my my notes are yes, it's like yeah, we sneak around the building. It's like looking at primary school. <laughs> this is like grade three. I find too, like I, even as, as the GM, uh, it's very difficult for me to take notes during, because it will distract me too much. And it's only at certain things that you guys do in your role playing where I will kind of just like, okay, I've got to write that down because whatever it's you guys said was either it was something that was a plot element that I could chase down, or it was something that was just so off the rocker that it just needed to be noted because it's got to come back to haunt you. Yep. Like the comedians who tell the joke and they, they they always bring their jokes. Back. Well, they, yeah, they bring yeah. it back to this, the central theme all the time. Like however they do that. So yeah. it's always good when you can tie stuff back. And so that's, that's normally when I, where I take notes because trying to take notes in session, I find it really, really difficult. And it really does. Like I'm playing in another session and yeah, other than, if the GM posts some text about when you enter this scene and they post text and saying, this is what you see, I will just copy that to the clipboard and paste it into a notepad. And then after the session, I will try to do my best to recapitulate whatever happened. But yeah, I cannot role play and take notes at the same time, whether it's as GM or player. Anyways, you find bodies. I don't think you guys figured anything out with the bodies because I think you guys did... Not a sausage. Yeah. So, But you found... What did you find? You found monies. I think you did find... We found some stuff. You found some loot. stuff. Yeah, basically. Generally loot. classified as a loot. Yeah. But you didn't yeah. find a, a whisper of Rahid. Not a sausage. No Not idea sausage. where he is. And so we go wandering off and we headed off to the local knock shop. That's what you do. I've no idea why we head off to the laundry women, but we do. Someone at some point, you guys had had some conversations food. with. There was gossip checks that were going on, and you guys were talking to P 
people within the mm-hmm. perfume district because the fact is is you're trying to find someone and all you know is that go towards the perfume district it's a freaking district it's big like yeah. lots of little islands about there how do you find someone well you you don't find it without having conversations so when you met mr senna she said yes he ran to the perfume district when you went to hakan's house he was like well i don't know if she said in the perfume district search the perfume district so you guys would talk to people periodically that you encountered and from that you worked out where he lived you worked out that to go and talk to the laundry woman this is the terminology for the prostitution ring of Perbastet. So you went to the laundry room and you met, God, what was her name now? Oi Mama. Yeah, Oi Mama. And Oi Mama <laughs> was, I, I remember sitting there thinking, because in, in the module, the description of Oi Mama is that she likes to tell raunchy jokes. And I was just like, I got to get to find a raunchy joke. Yep. An old raunchy joke. Yep. So I did find something and, and I had, as you guys came in, she was telling a raunchy joke and I don't remember what it was, but some goofy thing that I found on Google. So you guys started questioning her and you found out that, what did you find out? Nothing. We did find out where, um, she said that Rahid, God, was it her niece or something like this? She said someone was dating Rahid and you Muna. needed to go. Was to... it Muna? Yes, that's right. Munia. Yeah. Munia was the name. And so you went to the brothel to go and try to, the headquarters or the living's place, the, the brothel. Yeah. To go and speak. At this point, you guys were good because you were like, we need just to send the most charismatic person in there. So you sent Ventus in. And Ventus, of course, as a player, was probably the most introverted person to do it. So he had to go in there and try to role play talking to some women. It's interesting here that that at this point in time, Elbram shows his true colors. I got a note, Elbram books a girl for the night. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's a con man. Yeah. He's smooth. Wants to be smooth, so as far yeah. as as far as we know at the moment, uh, whether or not he's, he's actually got, achieved. He's got the women dripping off him. As a, yes, I noticed that it's an ongoing an ongoing thing with Elbrum. That a, is, a theme. Yeah, yep. it's a theme. Yeah, but it's not like he's got a special ability that that helps him in that. End. I think it's the blue eyes. This is where he just tries to do something. I think it's the blue eyes and the sweat back hair, <laughs> or the slicked back hair. God only knows. Actually, we don't. We don't know. We don't actually have a very good description of any of you guys, no. do we? That doesn't matter. Anyway, we head off to... The, the bottom line is that we head off to Festering Hef's place. Eventually, yes. Eventually, what ends up happening is... And that's where we know... You well, speak, that's where we've been told that Rahid will be. Yes. yeah. So you didn't find Munya. Ventus went there to find Munya, to talk to Munya, who was supposedly Rahid's girlfriend. Although the women hated Rahid, or liked to tease him anyways. Yeah. They basically said Munya wasn't there but that she had indicated that they were off near Festering Heaths. So then you guys were off to Festering Heaths. Yep. And when you got to Festering Heaths, what happened when you got there? Oh, you met on Nasur. The way there, you met... We, well, we didn't meet Nasur, but on the way there. Because Nasur went with you guys to Festering Heaths oh, no, place. He did, yeah. On the, yeah, yeah. And he tells us that he's owed 75 gold. And this is where Calidus was like, yeah, we'll pay that back. Don't worry, because Calidus wants to make friends. With everybody. Yeah, Calvis figures out he needs contact, so he says to Nasu, look, if we catch him, we'll get the 75 gold for him. And so we go wandering off to Heth's place, which is like a ship. Yes. Or a mast. Or, the, yeah. the mast of a ship, and yeah. on top of it is like a, a treehouse of sorts. Yeah. So you, you head there with Nasur, because Nasur is like, oh, you're going to find Rahid? Well, I'm coming, because he wants, he wants to get paid. Yeah. So he comes with you guys. Festering Heth's place is just on the edge of the hunt basically just on the edge of the perfume district and the edge of the hunt. You guys are heading across there, heading into the area where there's, again, this is where there's few people who find residence there. And when you guys arrive, there's a lady underneath the home of Heth. And this lady is a member of the Crimson Poor. You guys only find that out, though, because I think... The two, again, once again, the, the thieves are trying to sneak up for some reason. They, yeah. they want to sneak up. You guys walk up, and she sees one of the two thieves sneaking up. The second thief who is sneaking up, he catches some words written in thieves' cant. And all mm. of a sudden, this sparks up some conversations in thieves' cant. Well, everybody's sitting around wondering what's going on. The two, the two elves are speaking in thieves' cant with this mm. woman. And that's how you guys learned it. Yeah. She might be related to the Crimson Paw. Yeah. And she, so she was a menagerie 
woman and had a bunch of empty cages about her. Although she did have a cat beside her, a big cat. Mm. And she was carrying a lot of weapons related to rogues that Morden and Ventus salivated at but didn't have the coins to purchase. Oh, I don't know that in my notes. Yeah, I remember that. But it, ultimately, you guys end up going... I think Nasur leaves at some point around here. I don't remember when. But he takes off for some reason. And you guys head up into Festering Hath's place. Yeah. What happens when you enter into Festering Hath? Do you remember? We find a dead body. And instantly, what I thought was interesting here is both thieves, they figure out that he has been murdered. And instantly, the two thieves think that it was the woman down below. Hmm. And when they go to, to look, she's, she's, she's already gone. gone. So Heth is dead. And then what, do you got, what did you guys do then? Well, we searched him, we trashed the place and stole everything we could. Oh, yes. Anything that wasn't nailed down. Yeah, we took it. So this was your first windfall in terms of actually getting stuff to sell to actually make coins. We did, and then we headed off to buy and sell shit. And after which, you didn't find Rahid, you found a dead no. body... Was this one of the first times, too, that the thieves wanted to take over, take over this building? Perhaps? Um, I don't remember. They were keen on always setting up their own business. I had a feeling it was the um, Hakan's place. Was the oh, yeah, it was the first place. Over. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Later on, when you later guys returned on. to Hakan's place. Yeah. So you, you took off. You, you wanted to sell some stuff. And as you were taking off, this was where the encounter with the the temple courtyard where you encountered the cat. And this was, I think this was the first time yes. you had cast a spell since you'd gotten the Vril Stone. And yes. then all of a sudden you get a ridiculous reaction because you were doing a detect magic when you guys were trying to catch the cat. And all of a sudden everything turned purple and detect magic was like five times as powerful as expected. And all of a sudden you were getting the sense of all kinds of magic coming from everywhere. Yep. And no idea what, what this was for, but it did, you were at least able to realize that this was coming from, I, I forget, I think it we was. Did, the stone started to glow. Yeah. And the priestess couldn't identify it, or she didn't identify it. Yeah, she couldn't identify it. I think Elbrum noticed that your pocket was glowing or something like this, yeah. and so you guys figured out that it was a real stone. And then you guys, after that, you went to the shop nearby to sell stuff, and yeah. you asked this lady to identify it, and then again, she's holding on to it, and she pulls out a spell scroll to cast identify and yeah the whole shop lit up and everything in the shop all of a sudden was identified and this is where you i think and we went to an alchemist shop she wanted to buy it off of you yeah it wasn't going to be facade yeah she instantly after trying to identify you guys had a conversation and role played quite a bit about that and then she wanted to buy it and then we went to an alchemist shop and then we found out what it did that was the alchemist shop but you didn't really find out what it what it did. You found out yeah. that it seemed to amplify. Yeah. Because she didn't have that. answers. She didn't know what the hell it was. We 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 went to an alchemist shop and met Imran. Yes. To identify that was her. Yep. Yeah. And and said that it amplified magic spells. Yep. And then Elbrum was able to. At, at one point, you wanted to test it, and so you cast something to test it out. And Elbrum was I watching was very carefully. Didn't get that far. At some point you did, because Elbrum was watching carefully, because he was like, Hey, wait a minute. I think this is a two-way street. Sometimes it might be good, sometimes it might be bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I cast, cast um, Mage Hand and tried to pick up Asher, or was going to pick up Asher. And Elbrum said, let's not do that. Yeah. And so the temple, the incident inside the temple square was about trying to catch a cat. A cat. And which this we was, did. Which you did do. And you did do this. Because, how did you guys do it? You guys did something amusing here. Oh, yes. Ventus or Morden went. And you, <laughs> you went up. And you're, there's someone that was selling chickens. And yeah. so they went up about to take the chicken. And the chicken seller was like, what are you doing? He's like, okay, I buy the chicken. <laughs> yeah. So he buys the chicken off the lady on the spot. And then he <laughs> he kills the chicken in front of her. And then he tries to use this as a means to entice the cat. And ultimately, some really good acrobatics checks, some really good persuasion checks. It managed to happen. But at one point, the cat had charmed you. I remember that. So you guys were going into an an encounter scenario where the terms were happening. At one point, the cat charmed you into trying to aid it. 
but before anything could happen, the other guys, their turns in the round, they managed to actually capture the chicken. I do remember the chicken. I do remember that you were charmed by the cat. So then all of a sudden it was not just the cat, but it was you and the cat against everybody else. Yeah. You might have cast something, but ultimately it came down to the fact that very quickly you guys managed yeah. to take over the cat. And when you were talking to the temple priest, you guys were asking some questions and the temple priest managed to say that there was something you guys said that you were able to equate that the temple cat started acting strangely shortly after Rahid had passed by. Because mm. I tried to play up the fact that the cat w- was acting strangely and that the, the temple priests were concerned. And in fact, I remember later on thinking about yeah. the reward because the temple priests gave you guys like a big freaking reward. Yeah. And later on, I started thinking about that. I was like, that was a huge reward. But I use that because later on, they gave you guys 500 gold for capturing the cat, which was huge. And later on within Discord, I remember putting down a conversation between the two temple priestesses where they were like, Oh, geez, you think we're going to get shit? We gave away 500 gold to these guys for capturing the cat. So there was a little bit of stuff because I used Discord for the, the role-playing yeah. element and stuff like that. But we do find out that the cats are behave, behaving strange and that they're following Rahid. Yes. And so we follow the cats. Eventually, yes, that's right. Eventually, you, at this point, you guys are catch on to the fact that you're going to try to follow the cats. And this ultimately leads you back to Hakan's house. And at Hakan's house, this time, the thieves do break in and they go into the back way and they break in and they start searching. I do. But they almost get, oh, there's a couple of points. where They, they were supposed to go do some reconnaissance and come back. And I think they did. They, they went into a couple of the back rooms. They found that in the kitchen there was a trap door. They found that there was a number of, of large cats in the central courtyard. And then you guys came up to the front door and tried to get in. And they engaged in some conversation or something like this. And, and you're having a conversation with Hakan. And you're talking about Rahid. And you guys say something. You're trying to bluff against him and then he reacts and you guys weren't aware of of any of this and i thought this worked out really well because you came in you started having a conversation you wanted to get in you knew that something was going on you didn't know everything but he was asking you about rahid and you guys are like oh he's with us we found him but he clearly knew you guys were lying because he already had rahid tied up in his cellar yeah and you guys i think too you guys this was the next day because you guys at one point decided to camp out. I don't know if you guys returned to the refugee camp or if you guys camped out in the temple square. I think you guys returned to the refugee camp because this was the next day. At which point you guys come in all guns blazing and you break into Hakan's house and you come in yeah. through the front door and then the Daryls are throwing paint at you. Yes. You guys make short work of the Daryls, or at least three two of them. Two of them. And there's a water elemental there, and the water yeah, elemental is, well. is beating the crap out of Asher. Calidus leaves because he figures he's got to go help with the Daryls, and then Asher starts getting his butt whooped. And then, and then of course, you tried to do something with your Vril Stone again, or, or you, you tried to cast some spells forgetting about the Vril Stone, and then there was some negative effects there. Yeah. I think you. this was the first time you did a, a, tried to do like a Frost Bolt or something like this, and the, the Vril Stone acted negatively, and you injured yourself instead of the Water Element, which was your target. But there was it was half and half because there was there were some times that it worked good, and then all of a sudden you you had some decent frost damage, and other times you damaged yourself as much as you damaged it. But eventually you did. Eventually you did manage to deal with the water elemental, and you killed three of the four Daryls. And the last Daryl was huddled in the ball, sobbing. Yep. And eventually you guys all managed to get up into the room. Hakan is in a room. He's got Mistress Henna tied up. Munia is sitting in a corner, crying, crying, crying. Hakan is there, at which point you guys basically capture him. You tie him up and stuff like this, and the questioning starts. We do. We question him. So what did you guys learn? Not a lot. (laughs) You didn't learn anything. You're you're having a hard time remembering. I'm reading these notes and going, wow. Yeah, not a lot. We didn't learn anything. Well, you learned eventually you learned that the object that Mistress Henna was asking to get her jewel that Rahid had stolen, Hakan has got it. So you find it on Hakan. 
Elbrum is doing a few things here. So this is where Elbrum was. He comes over and cuts off one of Hakan's thumbs. Yeah. There's a few moments so far in the campaign that I find were exceptional role-playing. And this was one of them. This is where Elbrum, who goes over, he sees the sobbing woman in the corner. He goes to console her, and he drags her out to the front of the home and has a conversation with her. And he finds out that Hakan has raped her. And so this is why he just goes into a rage, and he just cuts off Hakan's thumb Later on through the conversation, you realize that Hakan had been married, but his wife had left him, at which point Elbrum cut off his second thumb. And then there's something else that triggered him where he started carving into Hakan's flesh with his with his dagger because he was really upset. Some other thing where he treated women poorly. So there was at least three moments where he was doing this. And during that, your interrogation of Hakan, of course the rogues were beyond excited that after Hakan was was tied up they had to go off and continue investigating the house and and while they were doing that you know split party you guys are doing continued interrogation Elbrum's cutting off limbs and the two rogues are down in the basement and they find Rahid tied up so at one point then you they come back you've got Rahid up there you got Hakan up there you've got Mistress Henna still tied up and Munya is there questioning ensues and you, you find out at this point, Rahid didn't seem like such a, a bad dude. In fact, I think the the elves wanted to work in cahoots with Rahid. They offered him 100 gold for the gem. But they or, said, or, but they or, said yes, we'll keep you, 75 to pay off uh, yeah. your debt to Nasua. You guys felt obligated. So you're, you're flush with the cash that the temple priestesses have given you. So you guys decided that... All right, we're going to this give is, you gold this is for after, it. Course, even, but, even, but prior to all of this, there is a moment when Elbram says or tells Hakan that he can't kill him or that he won't kill him. What I really liked about this, but, though, but, is that this is where I used Discord and I, I dragged. So when Munya was revealing these things to Elbram, you guys had no idea what she revealed to him because I did that in a private channel on Discord. So all of a sudden, from you guys, you're questioning, 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 and Elbrum, Elbrum comes back into the conversation. He likes, while you guys are interrogating, all of a sudden Elbrum walks up and cuts off one of Hakan's thumbs, and you guys are like, what? <laughs> we were three. Why did you just do that? And of course... But there's also a point where Elbrum, like having dismembered him and carved various icons into his body, where Elbrum tells Hakan that he's not going to kill him. But he does throw a gold coin to Morden. Yes, so Morden had said something like, there was a conversation point, Rahid was up there, everybody was there, and the interrogation would get to the point where you understood that Hakan had caught Mistress Henna, and he'd caught Rahid and his girlfriend the other night. So he had everybody basically kidnap them one fashion or another. So at one point, Elbrum was having a conversation and said, Morden, why don't you kill him? And Morden was like, yeah, I don't, I don't kill for just for free. At which point, Elbrum tosses him a gold coin, and Morden snatches it out of the air. As he's snatching it out of the air, his, his dagger is plunging into the head of Hakan. Yeah. And Rahid sees all of this. Yeah, Rahid sees all of yeah. this. Yeah. So when, we, when, when Morden is then negotiating to buy the gym from Rahid... Things go well for you guys. Things go well for us, yeah. 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 Because at the end of the day, you guys were like, why are we buying it from Rahid? We have it now. We took it out of Hakan's purse. It's ours. Why are we paying Rahid? And... I knew Kalidus was like, well, we have to pay off Nasur because this is good to have these good relationships. I think it was the elves are like, well, let's give him 100 gold then. So it pays off Nasur and then, you know, he's established. Clearly they were trying to, they were, they wanted to get into the, the Crimson Paw. Yeah. And Rahid they figured Rahid, Rahid would get her in. But of course, Rahid was, although he was a thief, he was a really shitty thief. Yeah, it was a waste of time. It was a waste of time. Anyway, we got the gem. Eventually you got the gem. Rahid's disappeared. And while you guys are sitting there, before Rahid disappears, all of a sudden someone arrives at the at Hakan's home. And he is all about having come because the sister sent him and he's mm. looking for the the, the Grimalka Eye, which is what you guys now have. And he is pretty much a fledgling ghast. And you guys this was the beautiful part. This is part of the role-playing stuff that was really, I thought, you know, top-notch. Because it was like, you just murdered Hakan. 
and this mm. creature comes by. You find out that he's searching for the eye. He wants the eye. Sister sent him, and that's all he really talks about. At one point, he's about to leave or try to get away, and you guys caught him. You did a really good job catching him because he basically is coming up, unerringly coming up up the stairs to where you guys are at. So you guys set up an ambush. You ambush him, extract whatever information you want, and then you guys did a brilliant bit of role-playing. We decorated the house. That's right. You set it up with the thieves. You guys worked out to make it look like the ghast was the culprit, killed Hakan, and all this stuff. And then at some point, one of you guys are like, let's use the sending stone, (laughs) and you brought in Nynaeve. We did. You guys, you did good. Let's stage this. Let's stage this. Let's not make it look like that we're at fault here. Let's make it look like the ghast was at fault, and we just arrived, and it was all like this. You're there. Nynaeve arrives. You guys are all lined up in the central courtyard. Mistress Henna's with you. Rahid is with you. Munya actually was sent off. Elbrum sent her off Mm. at one point. Because I think at one point you guys realized too that her only reason for for hanging out with Rahid was not because she really loved Rahid, but but because at one point she had an idea that she wanted to become uh, a were-rat because Rahid was a were-rat. Yeah. But... Ultimately, the circumstances had been such that she'd gotten disillusioned and she just wanted to go. So she was gone. So it was just the five of you, Rahid and Mistress Hannah, when Master Detective Sergeant Nynaeve arrived and she starts questioning you guys individually. And I, I thought that was good too because you guys kept to your story and stuff. You had some really good deception checks. And she was just like, all right, the seven of you, you get escorted back to your, your tent in the refugee camp. You'll stay there until further notice. So you guys were basically under house arrest. And we took Daryl with us. Yeah, and you took Daryl with you as well. Because mm-hmm. Daryl was at that point, the last of the Daryls, still sobbing in a mess in a corner. So yes, eight of yeah. you returned back to your refugee tent. And at, at this point too, this is where you guys tried to do a lot of interactions with Daryl and to bring him out of his state after having murdered his three siblings. And he decides that in order to associate with you guys, he's just going to be your guys' slave. So you guys have got a slave now. We do. And then it was November. Yeah, this happened very quickly. Yeah, 2nd of November. And we get an invite to the pallet court. Yes, so you're at your your home. An invitation arrives to go to the pallet court, Mm. to go to a ball. And, of course, you guys are all excited about that. And, uh, again, the role-playing was... I've got nothing to wear. People of the interwebs, are you thinking, Damn it, man, is this an abrupt end of the episode? Yep, you are right. Indeed, this episode is definitely not finished and has been sundered, split in twain. But there's a light. Return in just one week. Our discussion will be concluded. Until then, bye-bye.